Hey there, welcome. Salutations, thanks for dropping by and tuning in to the Clapped Out Moto Hour. Today on the show, we have Robert. Hey. We've got Daniel. Hello. We've also got Danny. Hey. And me, your host, Jordan. This week, we're talking about something that we've talked about a little bit before on the show, uh, which is Chinese stuff, bikes, parts, and other miscellaneous doodads that we've gotten over the years or maybe even recently. And, you know, I think it's kind of interesting because Chinese bikes especially are starting to really take up more and more of the market segment every year. And as, uh, you know, cheapskates, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> becoming more and more interesting. It always has. But now I think the quality is kind of getting better and better. So, yeah. But, you know, before all that, we got to talk about the ratio, what's on the bench. So, Robert, what did you have on the bench today? Uh, no bikes today. I was actually working on, um, I've been working on actually, I'm going to edit this out because I'm the one who edits it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm glad you, (laughs) uh, didn't get a chance to work on any bikes today. Um, I was putting together a shelving unit. So now I actually have my, all my parts for all my clapped basket cases actually in basket cases organized by bike which is nice um so yeah that's what i kind of worked on this weekend um didn't get anything major done i've I've been i I can't remember if i talked about it on here i have the huskies got a seized the brake brake lever love it uh try to paint a picture with words basically how could you possibly seize a brake lever what i'm glad you asked tell us tell us about (laughs) this spin you a tale (laughs) So it all started in Sweden in the 1960s. Uh, so basically, if you imagine, um, if you imagine the crossmember on on the frame, like rear of the engine, um, under where the uh, swing arm would would attach to the frame, there's there's a straight, just literally like steel tube. Through that runs a shaft that on the Left side is a brake lever because it's it's reversed. Okay. So you have the brake lever on the left. It runs through the frame, and then on the right is the uh, actual like actuator where it would um, run back to the rear drum. So you basically have like a solid steel rod that connects the brake lever to the actuator that then goes to the right back to the drum, okay. and that runs through a steel pipe basically like tube like a steel frame tube right with i don't maybe a millimeter total of clearance between the two um if that makes sense where the brake so 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 imagine yeah so you imagine just like a round a round shaft that runs through a tube with with like half a mil to a mil of clearance and it and it would in theory just rotate in that space i guess right um mine has been in there for 40 years (laughs) <laughs> rusting to itself so now i have a very seized brake lever uh and i have no idea how i'm gonna get it out of there so uh tried heating it a lot uh tried hitting it a lot um i think at this point i'm just gonna get some rust remover um and soak it and see what happens yeah uh, get some like crud cutter, the rust removing one, or the or the evapo rust or something, and 
And my plan is to kind of devise, because obviously like all the frame tubing kind of comes and welds to this. So the plan is to make like a little PVC reservoir that can like hold that in there and just let it soak open-endedly. So I don't have to have like a huge tub. Right. And then that, that way you can feed that down in and keep it kind of right, soaked right. in. Yeah. Kind of keep it. Yeah, exactly. Because it, because it's the whole frame, right. It's kind of the center of the whole frame. So if I were to like fill a Rubbermaid container or something, I would have to like, it would take gallons and gallons and dump it in. So to kind <laughs> oh of God. save on that, I'm going to try to make like a little reservoir for it. Yeah. That's and, it. Yeah. No, no. Hopefully you can soak that, get it out. I don't know. Time will but, tell. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, other than that, just kind of just kind of working on it. I have the head off the Triumph, so I've been taking the valves off and getting valve seats cleaned up and stuff on that, but nothing major. Nice. That's it for me. Nice, nice. Danny, what do you got on, bitch? Got uh, quite a few things going on I, this week, right? I do. Uh, mostly with the same bike. Um, I actually finally started, again, rebuilding that um, Pook Mag... Not Magnum. Pook uh, Free Spirit that I've got. Um it ran and then it just kept soft seizing. So I figured it was time for a rebuild. Um, so I have started, I'm about halfway through that engine rebuild. Um, just got to do, I got the main gear all set and just need to do the new um, crank that I'm putting in. So it's a lot nicer. It's got a roller bearing, so it'll be smooth and hopefully like butter. Um, and then did a couple of rides this week. Um, I rode down the street to go pick up a pizza and then strapped it on the back of my general. And then uh, I rode to work this morning. That was nice. nice. Hey, yeah. That's pretty sick. How far yeah, is that? It, uh, it's like two miles. So it's like, oh, yeah. 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 So, it was the, the weekend job. So it was just yeah. a short ride, but it was fun. Um, it's a lot of hills. Mm -hmm. So I took the the safari, the one that's kitted. Um, that thing climbs hills like no fucking problem. It's so good, so great for for a two stroke. Just one single gear, it just it hits. So wait, it's so it doesn't because most mopeds don't they have like um, gear boxes or something like that or um kind of. So most are single speed, and then there's a couple that are um, two speed. Like the a lot of most of the Tomos engines are two speed. Um, Pook makes a two speed one, the Z850, um, but they're a little bit less common because they're a little harder to work on. So okay, yeah. yeah. But l luckily, like with the the Pini kit I've got on there, it's. It just hits, like with the mini kit and the pipe, like it can handle pretty much anything. That's sweet. It's a beautiful, beautiful cast iron kit that can just, <laughs> you'd seize a piston and just sand it a little bit and then toss oh a new piston. Yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard about people switching over to like steel style cylinders so that they can have more resistance i don't know I, I forget where i was reading it but it's they said kind of the same thing it's like yeah let's use another piston whatever just score it again and rerun another mm -hmm. one which seems kind of sketchy but yeah. yeah i mean i've i put this bike through fucking hell like i <laughs> i wide open throttle it pretty much all the time yeah it's so much fun and it's just slapping around in that increased yeah, tolerance well, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, have yet, I have yet to run into a problem. I think with the, the weather changing now, I just need to rejet it. Um, it's been a little weird after work, yeah. but it's also the season for me. I, uh, I know you're not supposed to do this. I'm not a two stroke tuning master, but when it gets warmer, I just make the pre, I put more oil in the premix to make it leaner. So the DT runs a little better. And then when it gets colder, I go back to a richer mix and it, I don't know. I know you're not, you're supposed to change the jetting and not the mix, but if it's just like a couple degrees, I'll do that. And it, it seems to change the way the bike runs. Yeah. It's I mean, subtle, you, could but, do, yeah. you could do the jetting, you could do the, um, if it's a round slide, you could do the, move the clip up and down and right. the air mixture screw. It's definitely due for uh, cleaning because it, yeah. it just, I don't know when I, when I premix in the tank, it never seems to be like great because it still just fouls plugs all the time so mm -hmm. i need to pull the carb off and i'm at a completely different elevation from when i started and i know you know my other t-stroke is very very finicky when it comes to I elevation mean, you're fouling plugs you're probably a little too rich or something right right so yeah I which you would think it would run better now that i'm at a higher elevation because it's been rich jetting but i don't know it's time to crack it open and yeah take a look at it but yeah that's that's cool what uh what's your ratio looking like you pick up any it's, new mopeds or what no i haven't it's still uh still about 60 40. i have good. two that are listed that people keep asking to buy and then they keep flaking on me so mm. yep eventually eventually <laughs> they will get out of my yard craigslist for you they all <laughs> craigslist yeah but hey, what yeah i was gonna, just gonna say hey daniel you sold something recently what's not been on your bench recently <laughs> Sure did lately. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the XR that I've always uh, complained about. Oh my gosh. Top end on, I just, uh, you know, sold it instead. Mainly, mainly due to necessity because American healthcare sucks. And, uh, mm. you know, had to do it, had to do it for the uh, paying for my stuff. But uh, with that, though, um, it's made it so I am basically debt free when it comes to my wrist surgery for the Thank broken God. bone. Uh, nice. So I, I can start and in addition to that, I'm moving soon, so I've got like my rents going up a little bit, and like mm. a bunch of other stuff. I had to do do a bunch of work on my truck to make sure that like that's good to go for a while longer. And I also have to do work on the XJ, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is getting too much. So, um, sold the bike. I got uh, 1,200 out of it for a bike that's blown with a blown top end. So I'd say that's pretty good, um, all things considered. Yeah, the, um, I think the market is so insane right now that you can do that. You know, yeah, yeah. people yeah. jumping over those things. Yeah, I mean, I, I listed it and had it sold within two days. So I mean, um, I also seem to remember that you got some pretty unique offers on that bike. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there may or may not have been a um, a, 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 a interested party in this chat who was messing with. Me. <laughs> I, I made a I made that fake Facebook page to to hit up one of your ads a long time ago about a couch, and then it was like. You can't just create a new Facebook and just harass people through marketplace. And I was like, "What the heck, Facebook?" So I patiently waited, patiently <laughs> until you listed the next public thing, and it, it finally. Yeah, he had a whole month for years because I looked and I was like, "This guy's been doing this since 2014," and I was like, "What the hell?" Okay, like <laughs> offered me legit. a offered me a sheep, and then wanted to be my friend and. Amazing. <laughs> one thing, one thing I will do, I will never do, is I will never sell a anything out from underneath somebody who's already committed to something. Even if it's like, oh, two weeks from now, like I've got the money for it or whatever, you know, like can you hold it for me? And I'm Ooh, like, cool. Man I'll of integrity. I will never. Uh, I will never. Yeah, sell out that's a pretty. That's just not cool. It's I not think cool. 
I think once you've had that happen to you once, yeah. only just once, you're like, nah, I'm never gonna do that. It's, it fucking sucks. sucks. It's, yeah. 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 Especially when they're like, you better get here quick because I got somebody coming down. Oh, like, you asshole. It's the I worst. Know. It's not cool. Not I cool. Driven but would you actually have accepted yeah. the sheep? Yeah, oh, man. Would you I mean, for, six, for $1,600 and a sheep, if that was like the first <laughs> officer, I mean, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe I, it. I mean, I bet you, I bet you, I could, it, you know, what's the, you know, you like trade a penny up to get a, Sixty thousand dollar car, like what yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could t- <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a lot of people who knit in this town. I don't know if you know, but it'd be a, I'm a take, whole sheep. Sheep home. You confirm. You take that sheep home. You uh, barbecue birria, right? Or you make a stew for someone, and then yeah, you sell dude, the stew. Lamb is expensive, man. Yeah, there you go. Lamb is expensive in this town. I just, I just stick right my there. dog on the on the sheep. There we go. You know, I don't have to do the butchering. Just kidding. That's free cool. dog um, food for you. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, so I sold the XR. Sheep. I, yeah, I still got uh, the XJ, um, which I'm actually finally doing the head bearing on it this week that I've been waiting to do forever. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, it's been needed to do that for a long time. Good. It's been like, I'm just riding it. And, you know, even though you touch, you'd like go to the handlebars for half a second and it starts shaking like crazy. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, ah. That's bad. Yeah, I used to. I used to, uh, well, I used to think it was the, maybe the wheel balancing was bad or something like that. And I, I rebalanced the front wheel and it actually helped, um, for a while, but, um, you know, the bearings just toast. So, um, bearings bad. So I'm doing that. I'll do some fork oil. And then I think the tires will last through our proposed thousand mile ride, Jordan. So I think I'm going to put the D maybe put some Dunlops, the D four or the Dunlop four fours or whatever on there after the ride, but it's got enough tread. They're just, you know, I've been riding them for three years now and they were from 2013. So it's just like a little sketchy. Uh, Cause they were old when I got the bike, although they were like brand new tires to just had been on the bike for a long time. Um, so it's just one of those things I probably should replace. I should have replaced them probably when I got the bike, but they haven't blown up on me yet. So <laughs> just send it, you know, because uh, I'm a yeah, I'm, bastard. I think they were just like, I think the codes were a little old. They were like, you know, not the newest tires, but yeah, they should be. I, mean, I, I bought I the bike in 2018, 2019, 2018, yeah. 2019, something like that. Yeah, and the bike, I think yeah. 20, yeah, anyway. And the, yeah, and the tires were from 2013 or 2014 since then. So um, anyway, yeah. So that's all good to go. I think uh, once I do that with the bike, there's a very, it literally drips like two drips of oil after every ride. And I, sh- mm. I think it's just the, uh, the oil pan gasket. And I'm like, maybe that's the thing. I should probably chase that down too before it gets worse. But for the time being, I think, um, yeah, the, definitely the head bearings like the biggest thing. But yeah. I have that coming on the way. So, um, and then my truck, I've got to do all new suspension in. So that's fun. Yep. Yeah, Should that's the problem. Time. My truck always gets in the way of me working on my bike, so I just put it off until, you know, it's like really <laughs> bad or something. <laughs> well, so when we were doing the upper ball joints a couple weeks ago, because I was like, oh, maybe I'll just replace the front end components slowly, you know, and um, I'm an idiot. I didn't realize that uh, the upper ball joints, um, they're the upper control arms, because you get the control arms and the ball joints like in one unit for this truck, which is really nice. And uh, I didn't realize that that is actually what you use to adjust the toe on your on your alignment and i was like oh crap i thought i could just throw these in and it'd be fine so of course now my tire my it doesn't turn properly you know it feels really weird. <laughs> um, and i was like all right shit i guess i gotta like hurry up and do the rest of this too before i like ruin these tires that are already like you know at like 
40% tread probably. And I'm like, don't want to oh, buy yeah. tires anytime soon. So, oh, yeah. so I had to, you know, anyway, so I, I dropped all the money to buy the rest of the suspension parts, which luckily were really cheap, but um, yeah. But when we were down there, we went to go move the, um, uh, the shock. Cause there's always been some like really gnarly body roll when you take a right-hand turn and my brother goes to move the shock and it is completely the bushing's gone it's literally just a bolt <laughs> just a bolt holding the lower part of the, uh, the shock in, and there's no uh fluid left in the shock and it's literally just like <laughs> jailing around and, and that is bad so it's like okay these all need to go so yeah that's anyway. that when i got the wr250 that there was no oil in the right shock and he's mm -hmm. like yeah i took this thing to the motocross track and it just bottoms out a bunch and it's just not a great bike for the motocross track. I tried stiffening it all the way up. And so when I got it home, like it was completely devoid of oil in the right shock because it had such a bad seal leak. And then the preload and, and uh, rebound clickers were all the way in or all the way out, no, all the way in. And so they were at their softest settings. And <laughs> I was like, uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't ride a track like that either. It kind of sucks. <laughs> but um yeah on anyways on suspension time so to spend your time you know if you're listening to this spend some time learn a little bit about suspension change your oil maybe it's probably been a really long time maybe think, think about your forks you know especially if you're riding off-road treat them right take them to a nice right. pasta dinner a nice at, dinner once yeah. in a while buy a manual follow it it's not so hard to do um even, even olive garden's fine <laughs> so this so this week i've got a lot of things on the bench i'm trying to think i i wrapped up a lot of uh stuff in the past couple weeks the zrx the paint was just absolutely killing me it's just a really bad acrylic uh like i don't think someone spray painted it i think someone actually gunned it uh on and they did it right over the original like loss in green color and i've already complained about it on the show but uh it just looks it looked really, really bad. I hated the color. It was purple and blue. And I was like, you know what? Even if I rattle can this thing black, it'll look better. So I went through the process of stripping it down. And this is the first time I've done a complete bike paint, attempted a complete bike paint job. And uh, so this is a, a 99ZRX 1100. And I started taking plastics off. And every piece of plastic has been bondoed and like fiberglass tape on the backside of everything. Oh, man. Like everything's been split, everything's cracked. When I took the rear cowl off, one of the jobs, the patch jobs failed. It like split in half. I'm like, God, just looking at all this. <sighs> so I'm like, okay, well, it's not gonna be perfect, but at least it'll still look better. I spent like three days, like three afternoons, really like stripping it completely down because it just had the acrylic right on top of the original paint job and so i tried to fill everything my best i could i tried to get everything square and i finally got to the point at the end of today where i was like all right everything's filled i'm just gonna do it so i primed them put first coat of paint and it's it's looking okay it's not like i'm not like yeah this is the best paint job ever but it as long as it's black it, you know it's got a bit of texture which is the problem because there's still some some little gouges in the plastic and and uh i just because I wasn't able to sand down enough. I didn't feel like I could fill in sand because the plastics are so brittle. I was like, uh, I don't know. So anyways, it's long story short, it's basically getting like a deluxe rattle can black where it's getting the acrylic top layer now and I'm gonna put a clear coat on it. It'll look pretty good. And for what that bike will do, slamming around on gravel roads and like, 
you know, going on trips, it, it'll be fine. And it's still at the end of the day, it's a $600 bike. So what are you going to do? You know, I, I don't know. So it's not going to be restored. Everyone. I, I mean, I like the idea of doing the splatter. So yeah, that was kind of my idea is what I was thinking was like, there's going to be texture because of the, the little indents and the terrible fiberglass repair yeah, job. He's seeing like in the videos you were sending, there's some where there's just like gouges in it too. Yeah. And I thought about getting plastic fill and doing it, but it, mm -hmm. I don't know. I was just like, you know what, this bike, it's going to get so many nicks and dings. It's, it's not going to be like a perfect bike ever. And it's got so the plastics have so many fiberglass repair jobs on them that I'm like, right. I don't really want to like refill it. I don't know. So is it hard? Yeah. Is it hard to find? plastics for that bike yes yeah like especially in the lawson i'm sure oh man because that's like what everybody i have. haven't seen any of yeah. the greens on ebay there is a side panel like the just the cover that's a hundred dollars left uh, oh, another one on the right geez. that's a hundred dollars there's God. a rear cowl that just sold for 230 dollars and i haven't seen any front fenders yeah uh, none of the none of the big there's a guy in San Diego who makes the fiberglass replica pieces uh -huh. and without holes, without paint, and they're not even sanded. It's just like bare fiberglass. It's, right. They're not finished down to where you can paint them. You have to you have to sand them down, get them ready, prime them, yeah. and paint them. They're like I added up the entire set of things is going to be close to six hundred dollars. I believe. Damn. It, yeah. So Damn. it's yeah. like ah, you're at that point. Like I paid six hundred dollars for the bike. Right. It's going to be a grocery touring loner do it all bike it's like i i just didn't want to put so much time into it i think right. maybe next winter i'll take it down and use this as a platform to start like experimenting with fiberglass and playing around with it because i think it'll be fun to do that stuff but in the meantime it's getting like i said it's getting like a deluxe rattle can i'm wet sanding between the coats i'm making sure everything looks really smooth and nice nice uh it's got no streaks so far and then i'll put the clear over it and or excuse me before the clear I, what I'm thinking about doing is getting some acrylic uh, paint, like a little pint of it, and then just doing some splatter patterns on it with maybe like a two-tone, like a cream color. So I don't I, know. I like the idea. I think it'll be, I mean, yeah, because you're never going to get the factory like no. plastic. So you may as well make it look yeah. cool. Yeah. So that's where it's at. I may, I may take it to... Start looking like a jigsaw. I was gonna say you start looking like a jigsaw rider. Yeah, like a like the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, the uh, like the stunt bikes when you see those stunt bikes yeah, they and they're just the horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's a, trying to be a little more refined than that, but we'll, we'll their see. Their bikes have like a Jackson Pollock painting, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, thing? probably Hand. not probably not that crazy, but yeah. Anyways, I got that, and I got it back running a few weeks ago, and. It's running great. It's it's awesome. It's so much fun. It's way too much power. It's just ridiculous. And uh, and so, yeah, finishing up that. I also finished up, finally, the DT seat. Uh, I'd had it kind of, like, cut and wrapped, but I hadn't really finished it. And I was trying to figure out some ways to get the – I put basically, like, a serape, like a Mexican blanket, over the foam. And in the places where I could hook it, I, it did pretty good. I was able to anchor it pretty well. But mm -hmm. there are always little pieces hanging out, and it, it wasn't quite tucked all the way. So I ended up using some, uh, someone passed this tip on to me uh, about using like um, uh, spray adhesive. So I just mm -hmm. used some spray yeah, adhesive yeah. to fold everything and tuck everything under. It turned out great. It was really easy. It looks awesome. It's all tucked. Everything looks really great. Uh, again, also haven't done that many upholstery projects. So yeah, I just did that. I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone, trying paint, like try and seat upholstery. They both suck. 
Uh, I understand. <laughs> Pay I under- someone else. I understand why people are paid for them. Just for reference, so I went to a good, not the best, not the worst shop in town, and he quoted me uh, if I prepped everything, filled all the plastics, replaced, repaired all the plastics, uh, about six hundred dollars to get shot and to get clear over it. So that's pretty that's, indicative of like where I'm at. It's not right. really worth. That's including the to, tank, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's not it's not really worth bringing to original quality, you know, the original right. Lawson. Um, but it's not, I don't want it to have that crappy, no clear, you know, chip disgusting yeah, paint on yeah. the head. So kind it's kind of this like, on the whole thing and so I spray painted it black, you know, <laughs> nicely. <laughs> so that's where that's at. I got that. The DT's done. It's going. And uh, yeah, my ratio is looking pretty good. Most things, most things in my garage are running. The carbs came in for the GT185. And soon that'll be running. I'm, I'm hoping. So yeah. Um, nice. But yeah, I think, you know, something that's come up on the show before that we've talked about uh, quite a bit, you know, or by the way of like ordering parts, ordering things has always kind of been that Chinese stuff. And I've, I've just been kind of kicking around the idea in my head um, about talking a little bit about the market. And I think, you know, what's interesting, I may have said this on the show before, but if you talk to the old, old, old timers, like they would tell you that when Japanese bikes first started hitting the market, they were pretty like hesitant of the quality. They're like, oh, made in Japan, I don't know, you know, in the 60s, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, I think these new, like the Yamahas, the uh, not the AT1, but the predecessor, the YDs and stuff, you know, they everyone was kind of like, I, I don't know if these are going to be really high quality things. And then now, you know, Japanese bikes are kind of synonymous with, with, you know, high quality machines. So, I guess my big question is like, is that where the Chinese market segment is headed? You know, right now, up until now, I'd say it's been all SSR, like pit bikes, uh, make up a big part of the Chinese bikes that people buy. Um, You know, I know that we were talking a little before the show about the Hawk Dual Sport has kind of been out there. California Scooter Company has been bringing in a lot of those kind of stuff. But is that, I guess that's my question, like is the Chinese motorcycle like chinese motorcycles complete bikes are these going to replace japanese bikes one day as being kind of the quality bike that comes out i'm gonna say probably not that's just my opinion um i think that i think we're probably gonna see something similar to where um like what we see with like royal enfield where Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. for a long time were like this sort of known very budget option and still are but now technology has advanced to a point where they can start offering these better sort of sparkles so to speak on their um on their bikes and still offer them at the same price but now there's a lot more value there because they're more modernized um which is kind of like what they've done in the last few years i think on their bikes where they've sort of made them a, like a really good um uh better like budget yeah, i mean they're, they're modern we're talking about like the the himalayan himalayan and then they're yeah, yeah, twin yeah. they're twin right the twin out. the twins rad it's pretty cool it looks rad and mind you those are made not in china but in india right mm-hmm. most of the, yeah. i think yeah. almost all the but, they, but they come from old i'm pretty sure if i'm not mistaken they come from older like chinese cast dies like i think that's how they they have made their stuff kind of uh, like how the hawks are made so, so i think they're I, could be mistaken. If, I, I, I believe using, if nothing else they've been using the same things for like a very long time it is yeah so my understanding is that for for the royal enfield stuff it's india it's they've always been produced 
they're a British motorcycle that eventually, right, sent their manufacturing to India. So India has had the manufacturing for Royal Enfield for whatever, 50, time. 60 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and they've just been making the humble Royal Enfield bullet, 500cc single. Um, and, and I'm sure smaller, mm -hmm. right, smaller um, displacements and, and anyone you hear talk about them will we'll tell you um, that they're, you know, the phrase people use is that it's like the the aspirational motorcycle over there is it's the, the way we think of like a Harley V twin or something like that is what a 500 CC like Royal Enfield would be. And the Indian market is it's very much like the, the domestic sort of like, that's what you would aspire. Like, Oh man. Right. Cause someday they... I won't have to ride this. Like, um, I mean, I don't know who's a, who, who in this chat is aspiring on a Harley, but <laughs> well, you, well, you, you know what I mean. Which Harley? Yeah, you know what I mean. Point being, yeah, that you th you think of like the American motorcycle, and it's like a V twin, whether it's yeah. a Harley or an Indian or whatever, or an Ascot. Yeah. You know, the aspiration. <laughs> no, but the yeah. victory. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, I think the you know isn't it that the Royal Enfields? A lot of them are. Um, like they're still making a large part of their sales and segment are like single cylinder two fifties yeah. that are mm -hmm. used in India though, right? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Small, yeah. small displacement bikes and then they make I, I believe. I'm not super familiar with Royal Enfield. I know that I know that five hundred, obviously, but And um, I know there's there's been a little bit, I mean, this is de definitely, definitely an outsider perspective from the industry because I'm I'm not as involved and I don't know, but I, I know that I've heard some conjecture about like Honda even saying like, who cares if we come out with a new latest and greatest bike? Like we're still selling tons and tons of units in India. So right. like, why yeah. would we make anything different? You know, that's why even the Duke, the 390 Duke, I think is made in India now. So like, it seems like we're almost having a shifting, you know, like it's not, it's no longer China. It's now kind of India is making the like, cheaper you know they have the cheaper labor they have the right. cheaper yeah. materials and things like that so that's why i'm kind of wondering like is china kind of gunning for japan's place in the mm -hmm. production tier i guess i don't know I, yeah i don't know necessarily about the full production tier but i know like their their manufacturing has like boomed within the last five to ten years mm -hmm. right and especially lately, they, they've been adding a lot more like regu regulatory practices. So mm -hmm. I think we're seeing like solid, consistent quality out of parts that we're getting. Like I bought multiple knockoff carbs from China. Mm -hmm. And once I find a seller that like makes a good one, I'll buy from them again. And it's usually the same quality. The casting is usually still pretty good. So it's it's nice to kind of have that reliability now where like, five years ago i would say it was a pretty big gamble if you were going to buy something i do i have uh it's funny that you mentioned the carbs i have now a lot of chinese carbs and japanese yep. carbs <laughs> sitting around the house and it's kind of amazing to see like the carb that's on the xr200 uh chris's bike is an iso production carb which is like an old brand that used to outsource to china and yeah it's a lot rougher it's you know just doesn't really have it's not as refined. It's 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 a copy of the Kian PD carb, mm -hmm. but it just doesn't like look as good. The the way like the casting on the inside for the little towers for the jets is all kind of corroded, and I mean it's been used for a while, so that's that's also a consideration. But even yeah. the bottom of the barrel carbs I've been ordering as like for projects are still looking much much better um, than than those older ones. So yeah. Well, I, I think 
Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of the proof of the the proof of the pudding is going to be I think in the longer term. I, I I think at this point no one questions the ability of like the Chinese market to make to produce a good, right? Mm. That that the quality of manufacturing is there if you're willing to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I think the longer term question is going to be like can their metallurgy catch up to Japan? Um, in terms of like the actual quality of the metal, the quality mm-hmm. of the castings, because that's something where I think if you look at, um, like if you look at old, you know, the '60s Hondas versus the Triumphs that they replaced, basically. But if you look at like old British bikes, for all of their faults, like the chroming on British bikes is spectacular. It's really mm-hmm. good, right? I have um, forks that I just like dumped water out of that have been sitting for forty years, and the chrome on them on that Triumph is still like. Brand, it looks brand new. Um, the the metal is held up very well. Can't say the same for the the husky, but on the Triumph, like all the all the metal parts, especially the chromed parts, have like hold up very, held up very well. I think anyone who's had an old Japanese bike knows that like the chrome quality is not the same, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's no fault of the engine. The engine is great. The engine's like a Honda will run forever, but like the chrome is going to be is like the first thing to go. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody has right things they're good at, things they're not good at. I think if you look at, if you use like carbs as an example, right? You look at like Kayan and Makuni carbs. They've also have, you know, a box full of carbs in my garage and some of them are 40 years old and they look better structurally than new PWK copies nice. that I have. Um, but again, I think that's something that's going to improve. Um, yeah. When, if the demand and the, right. And that's a great point is the demand. Like, you know, you talk about, sometimes I talk to my dad about bikes and he's like, I can't stand like the box style swing arms. I can't stand the box swing arms, you know, that come on like the, that typical early yeah, like, welded like, box. Like, yeah. Oh, like yeah. the SV, SV650 has one. Totally, totally. Like a lot well, of the XRs. XRs have bought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically, it's, it's yeah. a little more, you know, refined. But if you look at an SV650, it has like, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because the frame is like, the, the modified GSXR frame, and it's like, wow, this is a really cool frame design. But then Suzuki was like, oh, we're out of money, so they put like a little, <laughs> like, like that's it, and then they put like a box. It's literally like just yeah. a box. It looks like you know people you just took four pieces and kind of like welded it. The welds are pretty, you know, not even ground down. They're just it's I don't know. It doesn't look great, but the thing is, is like Suzuki did that because then they could bring the SVE to market. Uh, mm-hmm. for an affordable price you know right. and you look at these like i think when i think of like polished bikes that are like done you know i i my mind kind of gravitates toward the higher end of like the adv bike market like you look at you know like the gs uh the big gs is like the 1200 or you mm-hmm. look at the new even the new pan american looks pretty good like the harley they, these bikes our bikes are like 18 you know 17 18 thousand dollars uh and they're like polished i mean like everything looks really good but if you ask the average American's consumer, you know, you're talking about that demand. Like if you ask the average consumer, well, we can make this and we can improve the metallurgy and have this like high quality bike and it can have all these features. It can have this finish, like this really nice, nice components and everything, but it's going to be $15,000 and people mm-hmm. are like, whoa, no, I want to spend six or $7,000 on a new bike, you know? So it's kind of this interesting fickleness of the American market, especially where they're like, 
I feel like the Europeans have kind of figured it out. If you look like brands like KTM and you look at Husqvarna and Gas Gas and Beta, they make a product that is really excellent. It's really good. And they all get socialist paychecks that they can survive on. So they buy their sweet socialist motorcycles <laughs> and they love it. Like they right. know what they're paying for, you know, jokes yeah. aside, they know what they're getting. They pay for it and they like the product in European, Austrian stuff, especially is like ATMs high quality. It's like yeah. really nice, you know, but then with the American market, we're like, well, we want all this stuff. I want Brembo brakes. I want WP suspension. I want, Kayaba, top of line Kayaba units, you know, I want all this stuff, um, you know, modern frames, modern injection, modern, you know, this, and then they're see the price tag and they're like, whoa. Right. So where, you know, like this week when we were talking about it, I was thinking like, where is that? Is there even a demand for like, right. can, can higher end Chinese bikes even come out? Is there even a realistic demand for it? Right. Well, and that's, I, I mean, I guess I'm curious to hear what other people's thoughts are for me even as you're saying that, I was thinking like, it's one thing to say, you know, like, yeah, people do balk at the price of like a new um, KTM or Husky, um, you know, like 510 or something, but a lot of them sell, um, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, like, it's not like you don't see them everywhere. Uh, right. And I think that there's a, there's a, con there's somebody who wants to spend that, right. Who, who is willing to, put the credit card down and get that new bike. And then there's somebody who's willing to pick it up a couple of years later for six or seven grand. And then I don't know. Um, right. I think if you're looking at something like a dual sport specifically, like kind of myopically at dual sports, I think it's a tougher sell because really at the end of the day, what you want out of a dual sport to some degree is reliability. Mm. And I, I think the the jury's still out on the on the Chinese bikes really if you're if it was something that you're gonna go do like a motorcycle tour on right mm -hmm. where you you could I guess not with prices the way they are and maybe that's something that's gonna start impacting that right if the motorcycle mm -hmm. market continues the way it's going mm -hmm. the used market is inflated right 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 yeah. yeah yeah because you know three or four years ago a thousand fifteen hundred bucks could get you a very competent you know dual sport you could and go old, get an older an but but, right, but you could get an air cooled yeah. you could get a dr650 you could get an xr something if you if you waited right you could find um like the jordan you and i both have ridden through mexico on sub two thousand dollar dual sure. sports yeah um and you know today that's just not an option but they're, they're you know, out there the deals right, you right. have to like cut through you know you, you gotta to, really hunt mm -hmm. but then yeah. are you gonna want to do those kinds of trips on a Chinese yeah. motorcycle. Yeah. You know, I think... I, I think the biggest thing that we're going to need to see for China to make that kind of next step is just trust. Because for years mm -hmm. when you ordered like something from the Chinese market, like people would always <laughs> joke, it's, oh, it's just going to be a Chinese junk. Like, oh, you get that piece right. of crap toy. <laughs> but so even though they're making like leaps and bounds and we've seen that because we're willing to put that gamble out and buy that carb off eBay. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is once the, the average person is like, yeah, China is putting out quality stuff. Mm -hmm. We could get behind that. I think if they can achieve that and get the trust of like the worldwide market, I mean, I think they have the potential to have a bike out that would be worth buying. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there is like a fundamental piece of this argument that's being made currently. That's not a factor. And that's the, the fact that people here 
don't commute on motorcycles. Yeah, anything. that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, you know the the average person, you know, here getting your license and getting a vehicle is all you can buy a perfectly running, you know, Toyota Corolla for two grand. You know, like right, right. That's a, a good point. Know, <clears throat> and a majority of people are going to go for the, you know, a, a, you know, especially here in the Northwest. You know, it's like you know, fuck, I can't ride a motorcycle all year round. I'm going to buy a car, right? Because like, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, and I think that's for most people here in America is their first thought, you know, when I was younger, my first thought wasn't, I want to ride a motorcycle to school every day. You know, I want to do, you know, I, I never had the thoughts of like, despite growing up around motorcycles and whatnot, like I didn't, I didn't have the thought of like my first vehicle could be a motorcycle. Uh, right. Um, and i sure that's, you know, that's obviously um, anecdotal. Sure. But, but I think that the, the thing we don't see here is just people simply don't commute on motorcycles. They're sort of seen as this toy or luxury item. Yeah. Um, and and not necessarily like a a tool or a, a vehicle that you can get from point A to point B reliably on. Um, and so I think yeah, generally speaking, the people who are getting motorcycles are people who want to have fun on them, you know, and aren't using them for just the very like utilitarian purpose that we see. Like you know, like Jordan was talking about the Honda engine, you know, or the Hondas uh, that they sell these hundred twenty five cc Honda bikes that they've been making for last like 30 years you know and they're still selling like hotcakes and all these yeah. countries that commute primarily on motorcycle because mm-hmm. they're so incredibly cheap and it's the most like lucrative way to go um, right in, in addition to the fact that like a lot of those places you know um yeah at least in my brain uh the way i think about it is like you don't need to hit 60 75 miles an hour to like no. commute somewhere you know you're, no, you're yeah. on these motorcycles these lower cc bikes you can't go on the freeway. I mean, you can, but you'd be full tuck going like 60 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. like, Freeways in other countries too have vastly different speeds. Like when, yeah. when Rochelle and I were in Vietnam, like sure we saw some bigger bikes. Like there was a couple like 250 dual sports that places were renting out, but everyone was pretty much riding on 70 to 125 because mm-hmm. you never had to go faster than like 45 on the freeway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think even though you're saying it's kind of anecdotal, I think it is representative, right? I think there's, you know, a lot of us did not think of motorcycles. I would think that most people, a large, large majority of people in the United States, they, they don't think of it. It's always kind of a luxury thing. Hollywood, mm-hmm. Hollywood and movies and media, everything in general kind of makes it like a luxury item. It's always something that is more uh sometimes more of like an even like a fashion statement you know more than anything i think that encompasses a lot of writers it's not a utilitarian thing and and that's that's why i say like i i I think about this a lot like will we even be able to give the chinese market a chance um because we just don't buy motorcycles like that anymore for commuting if you look back at the most i i might have this statistic botch if i do i apologize but uh i think that still the most the sold motorcycle in the United States was the trail 90, uh, back in the day. And, you know, that was a time I think when we did have that mentality of like, Oh, I could just commute to work on a trail 90 or I could go, you know, put around town and this will be a fun thing to have. Uh, and it was used a lot more, but I don't know if we'll ever get back to there, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't go, go ahead, Robert. No, I was just going to say I, kind of the same thing. I don't know that we're ever going to, I don't know that there's ever going to be a future in the U.S. where everybody's moseying around on their Honda Cubs and mm-hmm. right. Well, what I was going to say is it, it kind of relates back to um, last week's electric? episode. 
yeah the the electric aspect like most of these the e-bikes or the the electric mopeds that are being sold now like all of those parts are from china mm-hmm. right and they're consistently putting out bikes that can hit 45 50 and it seems like they're selling well like if you look at onyx's site or huck's site like a lot of these bikes are on back order so the market for electric i think if they can really keep that pump in like i think that's where they'll really hit yeah and i'm glad you brought that up because this week i kind of did a deeper dive i mean really recently i've been doing a deeper dive on suron and suron is this really interesting company that i might be getting some of these details a little botched but suron uh was a few uh people from, I think it's Sweden, if I remember right. And they basically had these idea, this idea of like, let's make electric bikes and then kind of transition into the, they were all motorcycle, um, you know, really passionate about motorcycles, enthusiasts, I should say. Mm -hmm. And so they recognize that, well, that we can't, it's almost, it's just not feasible to start a company like that from the ground in Sweden or whatever, uh, Scandinavian country they're from. I know it's Scandinavian. I'm fairly certain it's Sweden. And they said, so let's go to China. And they were able to set up the plant in China. And they were able to set up the plant and like make it happen. (laughs) Make it happen. Like they they put out a bunch of bikes, uh, a bunch of e-bikes that are doing really, really well. They're pretty hot in that kind of like weird growing mountain bike, electric bike segment. That's Mm -hmm. a whole nother thing. Uh, to talk about but what's interesting is they've announced for next year uh the storm b which is going to be they there's been a bunch of demos of it they have an uh, what they're calling an enduro edition and an mx edition and these are basically like full-fledged uh depending on what trim you get like a dirt bike or dual sport and they got kind of the specs to back it up these things they don't go incredibly fast uh, you know, I think they top out around like 80, 85 miles an hour. Uh, but they're saying that the torque at the wheel is 520 Newton meters. You know, we were talking about that on the on the electric episode. That is like the ba- main benefit of, um, of, you know, electric bikes is that you get that efficiency. That for our, you know, non-metric listeners, that's 383 foot pounds of torque. So you're talking like more torque than what's in my, my Chevy truck. 350. Yeah. Oh yeah. Easily. <laughs> so at that's crazy. You know, all the boxes uh, are kind of being ticked here. It's like these things weigh, I think, like 280 or something. You know, completely. There's no fuel in them, no oil or anything. 280, ready to go. And for the dual sport, the trim version, I think the MX version is even lighter. Uh, and they're going to hit the market. Uh, there's been some leaked, like, you know, pictures of them in, like, an inventory. And they're going to come in around, like, 7000 bucks. They have pretty good quality suspension. Um, suspension, I think, is going to be similar to what comes on the uh, – there's another – GPX is another brand that makes uh, Chinese-made, you know, enduro bikes. like More, like, trail bikes and things like mm-hmm. that. But they're kind of coming out with these, like, knockoff WP suspension that you find on, like, KTMs. Uh, I think they're like, you know, just a dual chamber and then just a more modern rear unit. Um, but good suspension, you know, good weight. The, they say that the range is pretty good. You know, it's nothing, I don't think it's going to be, you know, 
revolutionary. I think they said somewhere in the neighborhood of like 80 miles or something, you know, if you're going 30. But for us trail riders, that's a long time. Like, I don't know yeah. anyone who rides trails. Uh, maybe if you ride in the desert, but I don't know anyone who rides trails that goes longer than 40 or 50 miles, you know, 50 miles is a long day riding trails. So this could like, this could be it. You know, I think that there's been a lot of entries recently into the electric dirt bike market, but this looks like it could be like a really promising start for at least capturing that trail segment and trying to take some of that back from KTM. I think too, the thing to, to remember is just recently, I think we, I don't know if I, I remember mentioning it, but I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but they, um, all of the big manufacturers all decided that they were going to use a, uh, the same battery system. Right. So they were going to have all the same connections and everything like that. So, so yeah. in theory, like, you know, you buy, you could buy, you know, a, a Yamaha and you could, you know, batteries should be abundantly available, which not only drive prices down, but also make, you know, it might be lucrative to carry, you know, two or three batteries with you, you know, right. you have the ability to do that, you know, um, in your vehicle or whatever, depending on how small they are, you know, you might pack an extra one on your bike or something like that. And then you could drive, you know, to the next town, like, you know, and, right. and shit like that, you know, I think stuff like that could be really lucrative. And I think in addition to that, the other thing I was going to mention too, is we talked about reliability, but I think another thing is maintenance, you know, when it comes to your, your bike, you know, it's like you have a, like a standard, like you buy an older bike or one of these cheaper um, Chinese bikes, you know, they're going to have carburetors on them and the average person is not going to know how to do that, you know, and they're going to be maybe intimidated by this thing, you know, and sure cost of ownership, they might just take it to a shop or whatever, but, um, you know, and it might still not be that, that terribly expensive to own. But I think and that's another one of those things of like buying an older style vehicle or something like that, that doesn't have the modern stuff um, could be a, a deterrent for some people, but electric bikes, you know, there's not a whole lot to them. I think with the Suron, I just think that if we, you know, and I, when I say we, I think it's like dual sport trail uh, riders in specific. I think if we throw our money behind it, it could be something where you see these crazy innovations. Like if you think about all the huge innovations in motorcycling in the past 30 or 40 years, especially out of Japan, it's only because they sold massive quantities and like they were moving so many bikes that they were able to put that back into R and D. You know, Honda has a really unique advantage of being just this enormous, you know, organization. So or corporation, so it's able to throw so much into R and D famously, but I think that if they can start coming out with these, I mean, it just that ticks all the boxes. You know, it's not too heavy. It has a decent range. It could make it work. You know, they they're saying that it'll have a charging adapter, so you can run it through a you know regular charger that you find out and about. And man, if you can top that thing up in 20 minutes to 80 percent, and just you know go to the next charger, like that's that's fine for most of the dual sport rides I do. It's it's exceedingly rare that a dual sport ride I go on lasts more than. 150 miles that's long 200 miles is a very long day on that type of bike so if there's charging stations between them like i think it could work and i think that that is a place where china could pull ahead and say you know we are developing better battery tech we're developing better you know like lighter things you know batteries get lighter motors get lighter motors get more robust i think they could pull ahead in that market i i think you would well as consumers we'd have to to put our money behind it but I think that could be their their way to kind of get ahead. I do. I know. I agree. And I think I think another thing to think about when you talk about like 
R&D for other, like for the Japanese brands, right? It's like a lot of that was fueled by huge sales globally of 125cc commuter bikes, right? Yeah. Like if you sell a million 125cc bikes, you can afford to make a CBR or something, right? That you're like barely breaking even on um, because you're making your bread and butter on, you know, motors you haven't had to do R&D on for 50 years. Um, And I think we're going to see, I I agree. I think electric is where China has the opportunity to like really make a name for manufacturing. And I think obviously one thing to think about is like, if you imagine all the electric bikes out there, like where are all their electronics probably made? Like, I don't know that anyone's winding their own motors in the U S uh, I know Tesla has like two factories in China. I don't know how they break yeah. down where they make what, but most at the end of, of the day, it like, comes from most of their stuff is not made here in America. Almost everything is sourced from Europe and China. Yeah, this, right. is, this is my point. Like if, if, you know, it's one thing to be making um, a bunch of leaf on like Honda clone motors, right. That are mm-hmm. going to make their way into like Janus motorcycles or something. Who's taking an existing Chinese manufactured parts and putting them into like something. But I think on yeah. the electric side, like all that stuff's going to be manufactured in China one way or the other, whether we like it or not. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time until some entrepreneur is like in China is just like, Oh, why don't I take these things that already exist and be the person who puts that like electric motor that I'm already, that I already have in a frame that somebody designs and put the WP suspension on it and put mm-hmm. the right, all the like good components instead of, I, I don't necessarily think that cloning the stuff people want is really the way I think the way to do it is to do what like KTM and all the other brands do, right? Which is you make, or you design the core of the product and then you put all the things that everybody associates with performance. If you yeah. want, I mean, it, to go towards that side of the market, right? I think yeah. as far as like commuting stuff, I can only imagine that like those factories are going to be paying their bread and butter on, on not motorcycles. It's going to be on bird scooters and electric buses and yep. trucks, right? They, they're just like churning out for like municipal contracts sure. or government contracts and everything. Sure. It, at the end of the day, the motorcycle market is, it, it's a small segment of the overall like, I don't know, vehicle market or whatever. It's still really, really small. In Southeast Asia, it's a lot bigger. But yeah, I mean, all I can guess is like eventually emissions, I kind of in my mind, it's like in China, emissions are going to be more, you know, they're going to crack down more in the future. Um, you know, I think that those, those things will push more advancements in small motor technology, but small electric motor tech. And so maybe you'll start to see more of those like bikes that are really popular in Southeast Asia become electric. And then that R&D will turn into better, you know, bigger bikes or more right. specific, like a trail bike or like a commuting bike or things like that. So, yeah, I mean, and Zero's been sourcing, I'm sure yeah. sources a lot of their stuff from China. And that stuff, I mean, is all really solid. People really like the Zero stuff. So I'm just really curious to see if it'll be more of like kind of what you're saying, Robert, like these dudes came down from Sweden, started a factory and kind of did it out of there to, to make it feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we'll actually start to see like, I don't know, Chinese national brands, I don't know, like the communist party, the people's, uh, the people's dirt bike. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, again, harping on electric, it, it just popped in my head then that when we were there in 2017 and, and 2016 and, 
2019, like most of the bikes that we saw around town where we were at in, in Shanghai were all electric. There you go. So, yeah, it's, it it's very, very quiet. They sneak up on you. Yeah. It, it's there. <laughs> I'm walking down I the mean, street and I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> and the reviews, the reviews of the Suron have been, I'm really, really curious to see. There's been a lot of like, it seems like England and the rest of Europe has gotten a lot more of those over there. Mm-hmm. And they've had pros ride them. And, you know, it's a promo. So they're like, oh, this is really cool. It's really fun. But you can kind of tell like they're riding it and they're like, this mm-hmm. is pretty fun. Like they're, they look like excited to ride them. And, yeah. and it looks like an exciting product. So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. All eyes on Suron in my opinion. Uh, I know GPX is also a pretty big Chinese uh, brand now that's importing bikes. And California Scooter Company has some other bikes that are coming through that I think are, are kind of vying for that market as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I hope for it. You know, I, I think that in my mind, I guess the more kind of R&D competition there is in the market, the more interesting things will kind of unfold mm-hmm. as far as, uh, at least as far as R&D for motorcycles goes. So when, when the Japanese started putting their heads together and challenging each other, you know, they, they came out with some amazing bikes in the 80s and 90s, some like revolutionary technology. Every time I look at my Yamaha five valve head, I'm just like, who did this you know this is awesome a five valve you know and it's just it's the the design like the angles of everything how everything's laid out it's such a cool piece of tech so i think if the chinese can enter the the electric market if nothing else it'll push the europeans and the japanese to to keep up so i'm really excited yeah electric bikes really been on our minds lately but i figured it was worth talking a little bit about that chinese stuff we've got and i think that question for me remains you know will Will the rest of the world's markets catch, you know, will they demand quality products from China and will China start putting them out? Or will we forever be buying $20 PWK clones? <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about those picks of the week. So what kind of picks? I challenge you guys to try to find some sweet Chinese bike picks. And I'm wondering uh, if you guys found something interesting. Absolutely. Oh, Danny? Danny, what do you got? You always, right. you always got solid picks. Yeah, this uh, it's not the like craziest, but I think it it just it fit the podcast so well that I just had to. Dirt so, bike. dirt bike, <laughs> dirt bike for sale in Santa Ana. Santa Ana. If you notice, I do notice what what? this. That is yeah. a that is a not the OEM frame. I'm guessing. No. <laughs> oh yeah, first, first that engine mount. Holy shit! Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that reminds me of that. Whatever that bike was. Chinese dirt bike. They have swapped a Predator engine in. It's oh. an adult dirt bike, and it's not that fast. Oh, probably well, about forty miles per hour. Which okay. I feel like that predator can output more. I do too. It's yeah. got some room to grow. Yeah, could get. Yeah, there. mess with that clutch. Yeah. Wow, I want to see that final drive. How they hooked it up and like Let's what, see. how it's driving the chain. So what we're looking at here, folks, is a. Uh, yep. A, so instead of instead of a predator two twelve in a Coleman, this person has upped the ante and put it inside what looks to be a, a Chinese dual sport Chinese dirt bike. And uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, these pictures <laughs> are incredible. quite blurry, but uh, it, it looks lined up. Yeah, you know, I love I love that the frame the frame does match the design language of the swing arm, though. 
Yeah. 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 Nice and uh, and boxy. Yeah. Perfect box swing arm. I mean, if a box swing arm works, it's like a wheelbarrow. What you can't improve upon the design. It's a box swing arm. Well, Well, they put a a torque converter on it too, like the variable (laughs) clutch. Yeah, I think those 212s come with it, don't they? No, but you can get them. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's usually just a standard centrifugal clutch, but you can gotcha, gotcha. obviously that's the move if you want to. Yeah, I mean, go fast. When, when, I, was working, when I was doing research, in, uh, I was going to say, when, when I was looking into the Hawks, um, I watched a video of a guy who said that he managed to bend his swing arm because he was riding it so aggressively. Um, he was beating <laughs> the hell out of this thing and he bent the swing arm. So he ended up putting. Uh, Remember what I was saying up, about metallurgy? Yeah, right. He, was, he ended up putting uh, uh, aluminum to like on a like plating to reinforce it, um, which is kind of a good Perfect. idea. But yeah, that's how some of those that box swing arm can definitely be a detriment for sure <laughs> on, the, on the Chinese bikes. <laughs> I'll show I'll show mine because I yeah yeah uh, do it. I I love mine so much. Let's see here. Let's. Uh, I just I wasn't looking for something ridiculous. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna find something. Not yeah. ridiculous. Once and you then, find it, once you find it for this one, you just you just sounds know. like you're still looking for it. It's it's uh <laughs> it's giving me a little bit of sass right now. I'm not gonna lie. Oh my gosh! The, the button right. that says present now. Yeah, and it says it says you don't have access to do that. Oh, Shame on you. I think yeah. because and anyways, long story short, I'm gonna send this in here, and then I'm just gonna I'm gonna describe it to you guys. So what we're looking yeah. at here is a mini tomahawk motorcycle uh, drop that in the chat there mini tomahawk motorcycle so if you don't know oh, the yeah. tomahawk is the dodge oh was, shit. dodge dodge <laughs> was, was like we can make a motorcycle and they put the v10 in like a double wheeled yeah. uh motorcycle concept the viper engine yeah. the viper engine yeah so what someone did or what china did thanks china was <laughs> they put a uh the gy it says jy but it's the gy6 motor the like the standard chinese motor uh the horizontal motor that's in everything yeah, yeah. and they custom fabbed like a tomahawk and it's it is amazing it's super ratty looking it definitely has the two wheels it's got the weird swing arm and it's a pretty cool like recreation of it i guess from what i read about this because of course i had to look into it more uh these were like sell for china for like a thousand bucks and like a bunch of people have them and it's just kind of goofy thing that they have but you can you can get them here and they're like three thousand dollars uh someone paid three thousand dollars to get this over here look at the size of the bless them that's insane didn't, didn't I share? I think on one of the clapped out Let's things, I shared you. one of those bikes. I don't think it was that specific. It was very similar. It looked like the Nikon style, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With like, and it was like, look at the size of the final games. drive sprocket. Yeah, oh, I know. It's, it's like this. It's huge. It's for doing wheelies for yeah, sure. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. No, this does you can. Go, does it go between the wheels? Yeah. It, oh, does, it does, yeah, That's and crazy. it drives it, okay. and it's not quite like the Nikon because it, well, number one, it doesn't have like forks Amazing. of any discernible kind. It just has like, I don't it's know, like a front swing arm. Arm, yeah, it's like a front swing arm and a rear swing arm, and it just has the two tires just bolted right together. Love it. Uh, I'm sure it's a little bit different in design from the Tomahawk, <laughs> but yeah, there's this <laughs> beautiful creative license mini Tomahawk that you for the low low price of 
$2,200 uh, and I have to say out of Kennewick uh, which Ooh. is we we call here in the area Tri-Cities for Pasco, Kennewick and Richland uh, three cities that are all butted up against each other and I have to say uh, lots of great finds have been coming out of Kennewick lately so I don't know I who's buying what out there but I, I had to share this because I was Just like keep it up people yeah right yeah. I was like I don't know who imported this but bless you for doing it so <laughs> I gotta have this thing in my garage. Amazing. All right, I'll go ahead and Robert, share. I'll share mine. Uh, let me close this. So this one, you know, it fits the character of the podcast. I think it gets by on a technicality. Uh, I will show you. So it better not be a bird scooter. It is not. <laughs> bird scooter. Where? The ultimate clapped out rig. Now I'm doing the thing where I'm like, is it a go bed? Side note while you're loading that about bird scooters, um, I looked for an update to the like in, in the city of Portland, Oregon, people have been taking the bird scooters and throwing them into the river. Okay. And I read a recent report that people are still indeed throwing bird scooters into the river and it's That's becoming amazing. like a real serious problem. Yeah, they it's, spent so much money cleaning up that river and now it's full of bird scooters. Bird scooters. Oh, which I don't know whether to be upset because it's polluting the river or laugh because I think it's hilarious that they're all being thrown in the river. But Boeing's like, guys, we spent so much cleaning that up. Please stop. <laughs> Please stop. Holy shit. Oh, broken what? motorcycle. So this is broken motorcycle. My favorite part bucks. is the description. Look, this is something my son was trying to build. Surprise, surprise. My son couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. Damn, Johnny. Johnny Stevens does not hold his son in high regard. Shout out. Uh, this is my technicality that I think I'm getting by on, which is that's a leaf on right there. <laughs> and I believe that qualifies this entire bike, even what though is, what is it looks that? like a Kawasaki. See the side no, no, looks like a Kawasaki, but I, it's probably that's also a Chinese a clone. motor. Yeah, sure. I, who counts? I do love they the, 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 yeah. There's not a full exhaust pipe. You just have that last little bit. <laughs> you missed the important. Oh the header's oh gone. But no you do caliper. get. There's no, no break you got. Oh yeah, you got. No. And what is that? What is that? No and what is that? Swing a swing box arm. swing arm and a box swing arm. It's a tried and true design. That's right. Oh, oh my god! Sitting on like a what is this? Like a, a off like seat pad. Yeah, that looks like. Yeah, a that is. Yeah, that well, is the bottom a, of a chair. You can you can remove yeah. it as a flotation device. <laughs> this uh, is. And what you don't know is you can also remove it as an engine stand. <laughs> this is my child. This is like one the day. Same picture both times by you. By the way, this is my. This is my no, child. The dog turned away. <laughs> This is my child one day when I'm like buy a motorcycle for them like this. I'm like, surprise, surprise. And like, dad, I'm eight. And I'll be like, no, you should be fixing clapped out bikes by now. Also, I'm pretty sure these are just BMX. No ATV high is that high. Those are BMX. Yeah, bars. Those, are those are like, that says Huffy. And we can see the gap, the gap <laughs> yeah, in the bar risers. Oh like, mm, I don't know, guys. So yeah, that surprise, surprise. Hey, Johnny, surprise, you know, surprise. My give son the kid can... a little more. Uh, just help him out. Just help him out. Ah, uh, well, you know. I think it's surprise. <laughs> this dude probably really likes Disturbed, though. Oh, he's oh, got some other stuff wait a minute. for sale. Hey, some of our listeners may like Disturbed. This motorcycle. That's okay. Got an MUZ 660. Disturbed. Uh, this motorcycle will start, but can't seem to find out why it won't go in gears. It's an old antique. I got it from my wife and surprise. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> surprise. Yeah, that's what it is. Is it an old it's antique at 2001? Is that what you consider an old antique? Uh, it's 20 years old, man. You know, I'm, I would be pressed to see that thing start. I really don't think it does. Oh, that's, 
That's my pick. All right. Well, you You're know, welcome. sometimes we get it running, sometimes we don't. Yeah, yeah. And that's just that's just the way it is. But hey, oh. get the kid maybe a little little closer to running next time. Speaking yeah, of right. running, is uh did uh Henry just give up on the Oh, we did it. All right, we'll do neighbor kid segment at the end. Uh, Daniel, what did you pick? What did you do? All right, I'll show you guys here. Uh, My entire screen. Am I sharing now? No, here, hold on. No, you're not. I never know how this shit's supposed to work. Should I do a training session? Yeah, right. Okay, here we go. There you go. All right, so I found myself a 2010. (laughs) What are we looking at? Okay. For 500 bucks uh, here uh, in Crescent City. Oh, uh, lovely California. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very worth it. Um, I like the side case. I'm not quite oh. sure what the description is all about. It says trade or chase in hand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't know what that means. Uh, it needs a back rim, bolts, and uh-huh. a new throttle, an air filter, and shifter, and take your shifter. <laughs> Wait, does it need a um, back rim bolt? It, like the axle? It's or does it see. need it's hard a back see. rim what and also you, bolts? What I want to point out to you is all those pieces that he listed that it needs. He fails to mention. Oh, that's not good. It fails to mention that there is <laughs> there's no carburetor here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't need that. Right there, I see or, it. Or, or maybe this is a carburetor, but there's no boot. They're literally. Yeah, there's, there's definitely gone. no boot. That's just okay. You put yeah, velocity a velocity stack and it goes faster. Well, he knows uh, you can I just go on eBay and spend twenty dollars to get that PWK. These boots. He knows this green that they have on here. Yeah, I do the like old, the little exhaust. The old, the old Forest Service green, the old U.S. Forest Service green that they have on the uh, the exhaust plate and on the rear fairing. It looks like Fantastic. an XR exhaust shield. And sure they've got uh, some rattle can painted bars. Yeah. That have, yeah, missing throttle cable, missing the entire throttle tube. There's no uh, throttle system on this bike. There hey, that to be... thing comes with blue anodized <laughs> bar clamps. There is a gas tank, but no plastics. I'm pretty sure I. Do see a front brake caliper? Oh, he there. did do he did do Forest Service green accents on the back yeah, too. Love yeah, it. it's fantastic. Tasteful. Um, yeah, and then of course takes a tasteful, like tasteful pipe photo um, and a box swing arm. Yeah, and a box swing arm. You can't beat it. You can't beat the box swing arm. Also, that is the tiniest fluid tube for the rear brake. <laughs> I gotta say. Um, yeah. Anyway, amazing. I think the uh, yeah just. And I love that, you know, they say that's all it needs, right? But it's clear that there's so much more here than it needs. I like, I like that it's had two owners. Ooh. Two owners. Like, yeah, see that right there. Did what? It's a, it's a $1,500 motorcycle brand new and wants $500 <laughs> for this thing. And it is just heinous uh, in every regard. Now yeah. it's $1,500 for the standard or for the, the new the new Ooh. super version with the upside down forks? $1,500 for this version of the bike. Oh, okay. 2000, okay. 2000 for the newer version. Mm. If yeah, I'm definitely. if I'm placed with the options, I'm I'm buying the damper rod one. It's like I'm not joking myself. Those upside down forks are going to be terrible. So <laughs> hey, I bet well they're better. Right but they're going to be really good for one jump. Yeah, one but jump. you get and then never you get, again. Oh, I meant to. You get the EFI though. The EFI might be. I mean, because that's like, true. You do get now. EFI in the new one. You're going to get EFI, right? Because you're going to ride this bike once. You're like, wow, this thing's a piece of shit, and you're going to park it, and you're never going to touch it again until a friend comes over. Hey, you want to ride my piece of shit bike? <laughs> until two months later when we see this ad again and it says three owners Ooh. right exactly and daniel's like please come take my own. please come. <laughs> i made a horrible mistake i will give I you money mistake. to come take this i will pay you 500 dollars. i think you know 
I think there's a place for the Hawk. I think there's I one do. that's around town, the CSC. It's not the Hawk, but it's like the newer California scooter company dual sport. Yeah, it's like yeah. 2000 bucks or something. Well, I think, I okay. So we were talking about this. It looks before. pretty fun. Has everybody seen the, the, what is it? Bikes and beards or whatever. The review of the newer version, the upside down fork version. Of the I Hawk. haven't watched it yet. No. Daniel and I both watched it. Danny, Ooh. we know hasn't. Um, Danny. Danny. Uh, it's, Look, if you want anything to sell you on Chinese motorcycles, watch that video. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but there's the highlight is he they change the oil while the bike is running. Sick. Like, don't have oil or get distracted. Run inside while the bike's just running with no oil. Whoops. Like trying to find oil and put Amazing. it in. And the bike does great. Takes it off Wait, some jumps. I thought yeah. I thought this was the one I had watched that I sent you the link that I sent the link to. Well, I don't know who's watched what anymore, Danny. I can't. You know what? All right. I can't. Be, there's got to be somebody we have to. We can. We can. It's a busy week. It's Anyways, a rough it's group great. Chat. Watch it. Highly I'm gonna watch it. If you, uh, if you YouTube torture test 72 hours, you'll find <laughs> it. It should be the first result. I gotta say, I, and just uh, Google saying, torture test 72 hours and see what pops up. You know, what you should Google gentle <laughs> listener is you should Google torture test magazine and you should watch some of Gabe's videos because he's putting out high quality content yeah. nearly every week. Yeah. And if, we you, just, if you think that what we do is worth listening to, get you should out go of here. Check out this Torture Test Magazine. Check out Torture Test Magazine. Realize how much better life can be. Come on. Yeah. Just I gotta do say, it. I bought one of his shirts and I get like the exclusive like early updates of like when he uploads a video and stuff, and He's... I feel so special. You know what? He, he puts so much into that channel. Torture Test Magazine, final plug of the show, but just go check it out. It's a front long, long-standing friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, I'll do it very quick. I yeah, didn't neighbor do my neighbor kid neighbor kid update. You know, um, so neighbor kid uh, mom texted me earlier this week and said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And sent me a 1995 XR 200. So the neighbor kid short recap has been coming over riding the XR 200. It's a 1982, just absolutely shredding, popping wheelies, trying to break the rear. You know, just roosting, just having a great time in our little back pasture in our neighborhood and uh so he got the 500 and we've been slowly working on that trying to get it you know back that's going to be a long long project and he's just he's such a good kid his mom looked for a, you know has been looking for bikes for him and this 200 popped up and it was 1995 so uh you know she sent it to me and she said what do you think and i'm like well it's almost the same bike as my 82 xr 200 it's a little more modern. It's got bold new, bold new, bold new graphics. And I was like, you know, <laughs> you can't beat that. It's got the 90s. It's got the like 90s red, white, and blue. It's cool. Like, it's red, white, and blue. Yeah. It's, it makes every eagle that passes it shed a tear. Red, white, and freedom. And I love it. And so one of my favorite Honda color schemes. It's, really yeah, awesome. I love their, their 90s schemes. Are good. Um, and so she's like, can we go? Can you go look at it? The guy is asking $1,000. And, um, doesn't mention that it doesn't run in the ad, but after talking to him for a bit and text message, it does not run. So a thousand dollars is a little steep, a lot steep for a bike that doesn't run. I don't, I'm not a fan of paying that much money uh, for things that don't run, but I know that he really wants this bike. I know these bikes fairly well. And so I said, you know what, let's go check it out. And let's, let's just go, let's go kick some tires. So we went out there and it didn't run, you know, and I, you know, kick it over compression feels bit low but it also has the auto decomp on the head and that kind of okay. makes the kicks 
feel a little softer. Yeah. So I look at it, I ground the spark plug. It has an excellent spark. Uh, it's got a lot of spooge in the pipe and he's like, yeah, it was running too rich and the floats were sticking and such and such. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, okay, well, you know, so I tell, I tell neighbor kid's mom, I say, listen, a thousand is a lot. And I tell the guy, I think $600 is very fair for this bike. And he is like, oh no, oh, how could you, how could you say that? You know, he looked like, no way, no way. And I'm right. like, uh, just looking at this thing, bike market is absolutely insane out here. It's pretty rare. This bike is very, very clean. Like the cases mm -hmm. are super clean. Plastics are clean. Everything's there. So I'm like, okay, 700. And he's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, he's like, I already got other people lined up. So I end up getting the bike for a 750 and get him to throw in a pair of boots that fit that fit the neighbor kid. That oh, just nice. That's a sick deal. You yeah, know, it's not, it's not but yeah, I was like, yeah. you know, I, I I bought my XR 200 for 200 bucks, and right. yeah, it needed work, but like, I just don't like to spend that much on things that don't run. But I I told his mom, I was like, I just don't I don't know whether there's going to be deals like this anytime soon. So I was yeah. like, yeah, as much as I hate to say it, like 750 is probably a decent deal even if we need to do work on it, it's, it's going to be feasible. So we get right. it home. Uh, the carbs are, or the, the reason why it won't start and it's flooding is because the floats are installed upside down. So <laughs> instead of like, <laughs> instead of looking at where the grooves actually meet the float bowl, like you can see that there's two grooves in the carb, they're completely upside down. Uh, of course it's just dumping out fuel. So we take it apart. Neighbor kid does an excellent job of like poking through it and looking at it. And uh, by the way, I'm not using his name because he's 12. I just feel like, you know, it is, maybe he'll come on the show at some point, but do the big reveal. But for now, neighbor kid. And uh, we pull apart the carb, rebuild the carb. Uh, I take the uh, very fouled spark plug and run it on the brass wheel, put it back in. And lo and behold, after 20 kicks, it farts to life. Nice. And uh, is smoking like a sieve, so, you know, or smoking like a, sta like a, a chimney. stack, like a chimney. Those are things that smoke. Like yeah. So <laughs> like your old XR. And I say, I say, well, Actually, I think it was smoking considerably less based on the video you sent me. It's still smoking quite a bit. So I, I took it up and down the street. Has really good, like the power feels pretty good. The yeah. gearbox is solid. My XR200 desperately needs either new dogs or a new shifting star or something. Like it's just doesn't really shift quite right. It's really sticky. Uh, this one feels awesome. Good, pretty decent power once it's getting going. But yeah, fairly certain that this thing is going to need some rings or or valve seats. So, you know, we're going to tear into it this coming week and, and look at it. But he finally got his own bike and it's awesome. Nice. It's a 200 great awesome. starting trail bike. And he is on his way. Like I said, maybe one day we'll get him on and he can talk about it a little more in depth. But that's the neighbor kid update. He's got his own bike. He's making his way. He's got a much more feasible project this time. And it actually, mm, yeah, it actually runs. Well, I guess my question be... was, is he giving up on the 500? Are you guys going to work on that slowly? I think the 500 is going to be a pretty long project. There's yeah. I, there for sure that piston is no, no good. And, and bottom end is also very suspect. So it's, mm. you know, yeah, that's, that's going to be a couple of years. And by the time he gets to that point, it'll be even bigger and definitely will fit that 500 really well. So yeah. he'll have a good woods bike and a good desert bike. So that's the update. And with that, I think we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, you know, thank you so much again for tuning in. We're getting a lot of people who are hitting us up on the Instagram. Uh, Joao, if you're listening to this point in the podcast, struggling to understand our bizarre English and strange things that we're saying, you know, I, thank you so much for sending all the freaking awesome videos that you've sent to us. Uh, it's just been so awesome to see all that, the, those videos. 
people have been tagging us in comments and and talking to us. We really appreciate it. Um, and you can also, you know, harass us on Instagram or you know show us some cool bikes. That's all. That's what we're here. And that Instagram is at Clapped Out Pod. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you like today's show or any of the other shows, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash clapped out moto. And we've also gotten a lot of really great emails. Uh, people have been sending us pictures of their bikes and some rides that they're on. We love that stuff. So if you want to send us a question, that's clappedmoto at gmail.com. So we're on most of the major podcast platforms, as you may know, Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud. Google Podcasts, Dogcatcher. Thanks for listening, faithful Dogcatcher listeners. And uh, yeah, so send us an email. Send it, hit us up on the Instagram. And thanks again for tuning in to another episode. We will see you or listen to you or you'll hear us next week. Bye. Next week. <laughs> and also watch uh, Torture Test Magazine. And Torture Test Magazine. Come on. One last shout out. So with that, we're out of here. See ya. See ya. Bye. this episode but we got through it it's been it's been a long week all right yeah uh stop recording <laughs>